RSL Nation. Welcome to the RSL Bros. There is Welcome back. There's the bro and he's not a bro, but you're going to get to know him in just a little bit. Um we're, we're, we're adopting him today as a bro. Today he is a bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still quiet a little bit. Just tell yourself. Excellent. So, uh, Marcos, let's just start off. How are you doing? How was the weekend for you? It was a good weekend. We we, we saw each other yesterday. Um, hung out, hung out, hung out with your kids. Um, <laughs> they destroyed mom and dad's house almost. Yep. Just a little. <laughs> so, oh, 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 always fun ha- hanging out with you and the and the kids. Yeah. Faku, how, how, how was your weekend? Faku, how was your weekend? Well, actually really intense because well I, I'm studying and this is the uh, exam part of the year so I'm really really busy oh. and well covering all the entire league and the rest of them but market is uh, extremely hard so yeah it was busy and we'll, we're gonna get into that because you cover a lot but before we get into that, um, let me tell you a little bit about my weekend. My weekend consisted of um, we we went to a little kid's birthday party. It was a, a birthday party for a five-year-old, and it was just a bunch of kids running around, getting wet. After the kids got played and they got tired, then we played volleyball, the adults. <laughs> and let me tell you, Sunday, my shoulder was sore. I felt old, <laughs> but, but it, I'm not, I'm not old. Yeah, but don't get old. Don't get old. It's not. No, good. no, no, no. That's inevitable. But well, I, I used to play volleyball. I'm oh, yeah. a big fan of soccer, but well, I used to play volleyball. I, 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 I would, I would play, but I'm, I'm too short. I, I, Al and I both uh, were, were born from short parents. No, no, no. See, no, you're, you're shorter short than me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that, but that's... I'm I'm a I think I'm 174 centimeters tall, and Marcos is 169, 168. Well, yeah. I am between you two because I am 176, 77. Okay, <laughs> right around there. So we're around the same height. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Excellent. So RSL Nation, as you can see. Um, Facundo is joining us today. Um, Facundo, let me give you what I know about Facundo, and it'll probably be as much as you guys know about Facundo. I know that he is from Argentina. I know that he loves soccer, covers a lot of it, and he has a lot of information tactically, statistically. Um, his head is full of it. Now, English is his second language, but he'll be able to explain a lot of things to us. But first, we want to get to know him. So we're going to go through a couple of questions. And Facundo, you just give us some answers, and we'll just, we'll just roll with it. I, well, basically, all you have just say is, uh, is right. Because, well, <laughs> basically, I live for soccer, and specifically for MLS and Premier League. Uh, well, my fiancé used to get a little bit upset because of that but well that's life <laughs> yep that's life so marcos go ahead and let's start with the, the couple of questions here and we're gonna get this conversation going yeah absolutely i'll, I'll start off uh, facundo what is it about the MS- mls that you like 
Well, first of all, the continue the continual progress that we can see in the league since well, since I was a child with uh, David Beckham arriving of the league that was the boom of yeah. that. Uh, we constantly see that it it keeps improving and improving with different kind of uh, sport, uh, both sport and off the pitch because mm-hmm. there are a lot of programs that improve and, and uh, incentivate, I think I say it correctly, mm-hmm. the, to the child to keep playing that sport that, for what I understand, it's not easy there in the United States. And that's good. And so that, when, when, you, when you started watching more of the MLS because of David Beckham or, or people like that, like Andre probably, um, what uh, is it uh, something that you wanted to keep watching when you were younger, the MLS, or was it you just wanted to watch one player play? No, first it started for both David Beckham and for the FIFA game, uh, the, the PlayStation, because well, I was really young and used to play, and all the kids. Well, there are a lot of merchandising on the league. Is something that Gignac said a couple of days ago. And in that moment, it was true. But uh, that curiosity started being every time, every day, more intense. So I started uh, keeping an eye on every team, every player, the local names, because there is not just David Beckham, uh, Kaká, Frank Lampard. There are a lot of names like Erwin Alda who made the major league soccer. So, yeah, it's... When you first started watching MLS with David Beckham and all the big stars, did you think it was going to get big to how it is now? Obviously, now we have Messi in the MLS and we have Busquets. Did you think it was going to get this big? No, actually no, because uh, at least I assume that we are going to talk about that. But here in Argentina, uh, to see the MLS and understand or read uh, or even look for information from the local news is really difficult. Their, their journalists are not prepared and don't even care about that. So I didn't even imagine that MLS and the USMT will will improve in the way that it's going. Yeah, absolutely. And so going with that same time when you were younger, um, as you can see, I'm, I'm a fan of River Plate. Um, and so there was a couple of players, Argentine players, around that time of David Beckham that were very famous with the national team or very famous in Argentina, and they came to play in the MLS. For instance, um, Esqueloto, Gallardo, um, oh, who else? Uh, Cristian Gomez. Mm-hmm. Who was your well, favorite? Eduardo Dominguez. Eduardo Dominguez played with David Beckham just one match, but here in Argentina, he's really famous. He's a lot of also, was a really good defender. Who was your favorite Argentine to watch in the MLS up until now? Well, uh, at the at the beginning of my of my experience with MLS, it was Guillermo Barros Esqueloto because uh, part of my family is a Boca Juniors fan. My my good father who tried to make me uh, a Boca fan, but he couldn't. Even when I went to the bom- to La Bombonera a couple of times. But, uh, well, Guillermo Barros Esqueloto, with being 
MLS MVP and leading Columbus Crew to the, to the title. So I would say him. Excellent. He yeah. was the first one. So, well, and, <laughs> and I didn't know as because before I lived in Argentina, I, I wasn't a real fan of River Plate until I came back. And that's when I found out that Gajardo went and played for DC United. I didn't know that I went to the uh, Real Salt Lake game when Gajardo came to play here. So <laughs> I can say that I've seen Gajardo play. So I've, uh, I'm really, I'm proud of that moment. <laughs> I didn't even realize him for. No, I didn't Never. realize it because, well, one, I was, I didn't understand how big Gajardo was even before when he used to play for the national team and how big he was for River, uh, PSG, for um, Monaco. I didn't realize how big he was until afterwards. But now I'm really proud of that yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. Truly, uh, his career as a manager, he's, and in my opinion, it's a lot better than his playing career, but well. Absolutely. What he has done managing River Plate is, is historical. Absolutely. And I'm not a River fan. <laughs> That's fine. I forgive you. <laughs> so, Facundo, in, in your years of watching the MLS, is there a certain team from a certain year from their playing style that has caught your eye, whether it's been David Beckham's team with the Galaxy, Real Salt Lake with them winning the MLS Cup? Is there a team from a year that, that you th think that that was the best team? Actually, yes. It might sound not uh, partial because, well, I'm a huge Atlanta United fan. <laughs> Joseph Martinez is my biggest idol from <laughs> these years. Even I have his photographer right there. But uh, <laughs> that team with Gerardo Martino, with the Tata, uh, mm -hmm. was really good, tactically speaking. Uh -huh. And with Leandro Gonzalez Pires in the back, uh, Miguel Almiron, who well, now until Tiago Almada is himself, he yeah. is one of the, no, one no, is the best sales on the league. And yeah. that team really, really think, I really think that was one of the best of the last year. And That's so it. speaking of Almada, um, with with Almada coming to the MLS, he was he was good with Vélez, but he has improved with uh, Atlanta. Is it because of Atlanta that he has improved, or is it because of his time with the national team that he has improved? Well, actually, I think that it's because of the national team and his own qualities. You now he's an outstanding player, and. His time in Atlanta as a collective team is not good. Atlanta right now is really Almada and Giacomaki's dependent. When they when they are not on the pitch, we can see that. So I don't think that Gonzalo Pineda is responsible for that. I think it's, it's on his own for some of his teammates, I can imagine. And of course, being in the national team is a crucial factor in that. And so what, what does it feel like um, as an Argentine, um, and me and Marcos can be a half Argentines in this sense, how does it feel like he, having so many big names from Argentina, having come to the MLS? So like we just mentioned, Almada, um, we had Barco 
went through mm -hmm. Atlanta. Um, you had you have Gustavo Bo that's in the league right now. Diego Valeri. Diego Valeri was, say, say Valeri. he was a MLS MVP too. Yep, yeah. Right now you have Copetti that just came from um La Liga and he came to play for yes, from um, Racing to Charlotte. Um even even names like Eduardo Codet. Yes, he, he has a, a really short pass with the union. So he plays just nine matches with the union. So but well, there are he, a lot he, of Argentinians. Yeah, hearing all these Argentine names and hearing where they are now, what what does that make you feel as an Argentine? Does it does it validate that Argentina may be the best soccer country in South America? Yes, of course we 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 are the best team, uh, <laughs> the best uh, the best country in South America by producing players. But uh, we must talk about Brazil. We have uh, now in MLS there is uh, Thales Magno and Gabriel Pereira, both in New York City, who are really good players. But as uh, in general terms, speaking of technical, understanding tactically and playing collectively, I think the Argentinian and the Uruguayan are both uh, the best uh, in South America for this uh, uh, time to be in MLS. Now, when it comes to tracking and following MLS teams in Argentina, would you say people understand what's going on in the MLS down there? No. No, no, no. no. Uh, here in Argentina, MLS is something that is not really good considered. There is uh, a lot of misinformation and uh, people doesn't get how it works and even why it works in the way it does. So now with Messi, I hope that changed. And that was going to be my follow-up question, <laughs> that be because Messi is in the league, you think that there will be more following in Argentina? There will be more people watching the MLS? I don't know if MLS in general. I'm sure that Inter Miami will have a lot of views from here, but uh, that's something that can be bad because uh, Inter Miami has lost the last seven matches. Mm -hmm. And if an average Argentinian looks that, we'll say, well, Major League Soccer is like a retirement league. Uh, they call it soccer and all that. For example, my brother says all, the, all that. So uh, I hope that uh, with Messi coming to MLS, Busquets will follow him and hopefully Jordi Alba too. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't get that signing because Franco Negri, other Argentinian, is there. Uh, I hope that uh, people will get to understand the improvement and the the difference that the, there has been in the last years. Yeah, it's it's really tough when you have an inner Miami team that is not performing well at all, and then and then you bring on a superstar like Messi. People are going to tune in, and they could be watching a Miami team that just loses all the time. So they may watch because of Messi, but they won't watch f for me. They won't watch very much because the, the team that Messi plays for loses all the time. Yeah, exactly. And for example, I think that, uh, sorry, Marcos, I interrupt you, but uh, I think that the average Argentina will not look for a Russell Lake versus Colorado 
match on a Saturday night uh, if Messi is not involved in that match. Yeah, exactly to your point. And I, I believe that with Messi coming, we kind of touched it on a couple episodes ago, but I think he'll obviously bring more money for the league and also having more viewership in Argentina, in Europe, in France, in Spain, and all those things. But it'll be difficult because obviously all the only way to watch them is through Apple TV here in the US. Well, here in Argentina too. I, I pay for MLS season pass. Mm. I'm really happy with that because Apple offers a lot of content, not just for watching the matches. If you want to know uh, about the stars that pass across the, the years on the league, uh, Carlos Valderrama, uh, well, I can start saying yeah, names. There's like there, so hours. many. But, <laughs> um, I, I want to say a similar case to Messi coming to MLS that it was in, in the nearly to nearly this century with Lothar Mataus coming to Metro Stars. Uh, now, nowadays is Red Bull, but the year before uh, the Sherman coming to, to MLS, they were the last on the league. They lost 75 or 77 games. And I want to say, I want to see some similarities with this, with this case, because, well, Inter Miami has a lot of better players. If they have a really good academy, for example, Benjamin Kremashi, uh, David Ruiz, uh, Edison Ascona. So Messi coming to that team, if Gerardo Martino takes the lead, I think that they can be a contender for maybe the ninth spot for now <laughs> that they... But maybe, maybe. Th th this leads into my next question. MLS is a very young league compared to the rest of the world, compared to League One, Bundesliga, Premier yeah. League. What does MLS need to do to be compared to everybody else so they're not still bottom? I think that there are two factors there. First of all, the pro, the well, there is this debate, the pro relegation. In my opinion, it has to to be that in for for making the league more competitive. Gareth Bale said that a couple of days ago that mm -hmm. uh, here there is more allowed to to lose. You can lose, in, and in Spain you can't. Exactly, it's not like that because well. Gareth Bale went to LAFC, who won all the matches. Mm -hmm. But uh, something is right in what he's saying. And the second thing is the, the factor of the DP spot. Having just three D spots in a market like Arabia, trying to compete with, to be competitive against Arabia, who is buying all the players available on the market because they don't have fair play, they don't have uh, rules, well, that's something that can be uh, like a stink on the wheel for MLS. Yeah, yeah I have I... to say, just the last thing, I have to say that it's working because mm -hmm. with that regulation, we, uh, well, all the franchises and all the teams are allowed to have a better economy compared to, for example, what happened to China a couple of years ago when they started to buy players like Hulk, Drogba, Nicolás Sanelka, Carlos Tevez, and uh, Oscar. And the numbers weren't there, 
and the league and it started to fall to fall apart so i think that it can be seen both ways but there must be uh, a new rule or or maybe an exception for yeah for yeah keeping absolutely that, absolutely so going back to what you're saying about inner miami i wanted to throw in a little bit of a real Salt lake fact in there you probably knew this javi morales is the uh the director i think director yes. of of uh of the the academy. Head coach. Yes. In, in, yeah. interim head coach. and so I think going back to the Argentine factor, if you are taught by an Argentine, you will have success, period. That's my theory. What do you think? Uh, yes, you are speaking about as a player or as, as a head coach? As, so, <laughs> as part of the academy, if you're taught by an Argentine, you are bound to have success. Yes, yes. I completely agree with that. Uh, the Argentinian is, uh, is not something... Uh, well, one of my, I, I would say this, uh, speaking about other things, one of my uh, colleagues on the university is French. And he he came here to study that career. I'm studying for being a, a technical director, head coach. And uh, he came here because he says specifically that if you are taught by an Argentinian or you have learned here in terms of technical ability and tactical ability you will be successful and yes that's a really good point i mean because if you think about it the number of head coaches in south america for the national teams that are from argentina i think almost every country except for maybe one or two three don't have argentine head coaches everyone yes. is looking for an argentine head coach yes well uh, okay we we have uh, Peckerman in Venezuela. Uh, well, he all uh, he also were with Colombia, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, there are a lot of names. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But... Tigre in in Peru. Ah, yes, uh, yes, el Tigre Garica. And then uh, I was talking also... about that one. Yeah, uh, San Paoli, which uh, some of us have a uh, different opinions of him, but uh, he's also a, a head coach. Yes, yeah, he was. He was successful with with Chile, Bielsa too. Well, uh -huh. if, if there is uh, divided opinions about Sampaoli with Bielsa, we can be we can be speaking all day. But uh, well, now, now look is, at look at Bielsa. Now he's with uh, with Uruguay. Yes, yes. Well, he replaced Diego Alonso, who uh, has who had sorry uh, his pass from for Inter Miami too. All just a, we're just recycling yes, it's all a circle it's just <laughs> yes. all big circle but but we i would say we because i feel like a fan from the u.s men national team but we keep having greg berhalter so that's that's another discussion for another well, day yeah we'll have to have you back Faku, when we talk about that because that's a whoa I, that's I, a, well i can't I, understand that yeah no, now that you're I'm a big fan from Jesse Marsh, so I I will call him. <laughs> I, I I do respect Jesse Marsh for what he did for Leeds, but obviously he did get he did get, did get sacked. But in the time that he was there, he did lead a good team with a few U.S. men's national team players. Yes, he did a really good job, in my opinion, considering the players that he had and the circumstances that happened there when when he was. When he was on 
on the boat going in a way because and there were a lot of uh, injuries that uh, that were an important part in losing or being eight games without winning because you were uh, without Rodrigo for a couple of games. But well, that's another topic. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be for another day for sure. But um, okay, we are going to wrap that session up because we, I mean, we could talk for hours. Um, I, was say, but, I, I was I was going to ask another question, but go, go. I mean, ask last question, last question, la, la, last question for Facundo. Um, for obviously, watching soccer is completely different. Atmosphere is different from South America, from River Boca, from all those teams, even Atlético Nacional, where um, Nelson is, is coming from. Yes, sir. yes. What, what what is it that watching the atmosphere in MLS makes it not as exciting? like the fan atmosphere well i i must admit that i don't watch a lot of south american football <laughs> i must admit it because wow i can't tolerate this uh, the football from my country to see a boca river for me i prefer to go and play and i'm i'm a good player not <laughs> that good but i even consider myself better defender than that i don't know so that's not <laughs> That's, That's not, not saying really much, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but the fans here in Argentina are really intense. Really. Yeah. Well, when we won the World Cup, six million, <laughs> six million people we have in, in Obelisco. I was there. I even have one tattoo from, from the World Cup. There we go. There we go. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, that that is something that is a social factor yeah and in the united states you are more civilized than us yeah uh, like we, we, we well, saw than us saw... and brazilian than all south america so yeah we we saw the other day of uh, atletico nacional where the team that nelson's coming from all of them were going crazy prior to and after the game I don't think we're ever going to get to that level that we see in South America here in the U.S. for fans at all. Well, I'm I'm happy with that because considering the structures that all the stadiums have and uh, the kind of football, the type of football that you are trying to play, and it's better. You don't have to be worried about... Uh, possible incidents with the fans and all that that is something else is not important on on this sport we have to we have to be happy that can can see Lionel Messi play we don't be we don't need to be worried about what is happening there in in the in the stands we saw how big of a impact the fans were a couple weeks ago in USA Mexico of them just throwing stuff on the field and that, exactly. That, that, yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, for one, I love being intense. I'm the intense fan <laughs> in my family. <laughs> I'm the one that's. Is. I'm the one that's yelling at the TV. I'm the one that's. You know, I. I'm like a, a, a local passman. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are matches that I'm like a local passman too, but I try to not be because well. My fiance look at me like you are completely crazy. They don't hear you. They doesn't hear. They don't care what you think. So 
I don't understand what are you doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For, for let, those me, that, let me be. Yeah. Let me be. For those that understand, I'll, I'll pause the, the video somewhere in here and I'll put a little clip of who that person is. But no! We get pretty intense for our certain teams. Let's be let's be honest. Yeah, just 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 a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Let's uh let's segue into. Let me, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you one question to both of us. How Lay do you give their Russell Lake matches like El Tano Pasman or more like uh, a normal? I'll <laughs> I'll start off prior to us doing this podcast in me being with Real Salt Lake and covering, I was, I was like that. I would say I'm very passionate, very crazy and all that. Um, but now that I'm, I'm doing this, I feel like I'm more, more level, um, not as crazy. Of course, I'm still passionate. I want the team to do well, but still, still medium. You okay. Um, so let me give you a, a timeline. So <laughs> in, in 2008, when Real Salt Lake, um, they uh, started with their new stadium, Mm -hmm. um we played a play was it a playoff game marcos against chivas it was yeah it was so, so the first round of the playoffs in 2008 we beat chivas in like the the in extra time mm -hmm. and me and marcos were up on the the second if you see up there the the second row or second uh story yeah. of the stadium upper, upper deck upper deck we were mm -hmm. next to the chivas fans and mm -hmm. so when we scored, we I was yelling, screaming at the at the Chivas fans, and I was ripping down their signs because I was just telling them everything. So I can get crazy. <laughs> he can. But but um. How old were you when when that happened? I was eighteen. Uh, yeah, eighteen. That's allowed. That's allowed. Yeah, that's allowed. <laughs> so so when I got back from living in Argentina, I uh, ended up being a referee. And that's when I became very neutral in how I watch soccer games. So I'm a huge fan of whatever, like River, Real Salt Lake. I'm a huge fan and I will yell and scream. But what I can do is I can, I can understand what's happening on the field in terms of uh, referee decisions tactically. Um, I don't get upset as upset as fast. Um, I won't get upset at, at referee calls ever. Yeah. In fact, I'll be defending referees who call things against us. That's that's just my personality well, now. The penalty <laughs> geek that they against Minnesota. Oh, let's oh, talk oh, about this. We're, let's we're, yeah, I was gonna say we're we're gonna get into that right now. No, let's get into it now. Let's do it. So, huge match Saturday. Um, where where, where should we start? Um, let's just start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. <laughs> well, our, our our lineup for for starters was absolutely atrocious so we have now Anderson, now. now now well we, we, it was kind of questionable we have saba returns but we have ojeda starting after an international break but julio starting up top then you also have gomez and you have yeah. chang yeah on the wings yeah. so there and and there's a different defensive lineup as well Mm -hmm. You had Oviedo coming in for Brody. You had Silva coming for Vera. And then you had um, Bodie, Davis, Hidalgo, whatever you want to call him. Um, he came in uh, for Anelli. Yeah. Okay. The beginning of this match, the first half, um, 
I, if I were to give RSL a rating from one to ten, it was a four. It was, that, it was that's, not that's good. Very, that's very generous, honestly. Yes, you are being really generous. <laughs> I mean, I, remember when I said I was neutral? I'm pretty neutral. It was, it was a four. Yes, I, I, I was going to go at least a, a, a two. It was yeah, not. So I'm with Marcos in that one because the first half wasn't good at all. So um, go let's let's go with the, that. Starting about the uh, first goal from Minnesota. So yeah, it was. <laughs> that, that's all you have to say is yeah. It was just bad, bad During defending. The, yes, I, I I wanted to say that. Even I take notes. I took notes of for the first and second goal. Uh, you were uh, having su number severity seven plus the keeper to five, and you weren't able to to control and uh, uh, to control that son who ended up scoring after a shoot deflected. So that's yeah something um, that they need to improve. Yeah, and and some would some would even say that goal came as a result. Of the no penalty, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the no penalty. So, um, Tori Penso calls a penalty because mm -hmm. um, the defender had hands on Bodhi Hidalgo and ended up what appears to be a push from the hips and pushed him. Okay, she calls a penalty. VAR calls and says clear and obvious error now later we find out the clear and obvious error according to var was that it was no foul whatsoever mm -hmm. yeah um Faku, what are your thoughts on var calling the referee over i agree with the bar in this case because in my opinion there were not penalty even when uh, tyler tyler was the one who were holding uh, Hidalgo, he starts in the beginning of the play, uh, tries to hold it. He lost the position against the wrestle the wrestle lake player, but he stops the contact when uh, Hidalgo uh, cross the line. So there is no movement, there is no push, there is no. Uh, intention, but intention there is of moving him, but the the, the force that he used is not necessary to to make that fall. Yeah, I, mean, like, I, I don't know if I'm explaining good what I'm yeah, trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you explained it, Marcos. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with Facundo. It was there. There was contact, yes, but not enough to point to the spot for a penalty and plus the contact was outside the box so thus being said Tori Penso couldn't go back and uh, give a free kick because isn't am I, am I correct is that against the, the right. loft? She, she, she wouldn't be able to go back and call a free kick even if it was if the if the clear and obvious error was the foul was outside the area I think that's where she could have called the foul outside the area no no, no. what happened is there is two types of fouls ones that are uh, immediately, for example, a cut, and the others that are uh, con they have a continuum, they have mm -hmm. a process. Mm -hmm. The ones who have a process like this situation, the point of uh, renovation of the game is 
where it ends. If I'm having the player, I'm holding the player, when I left the player, that's where the, the foul should be uh, right now in the game. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so it yeah. would be penalty in the case yeah. that the force uh, deserves to be called a penalty kick. Right, and okay. that, that's that's why she called the penalty kick. But VAR says no pe no penalty because there was no foul, which exactly. I agree with that as well. Um, because if we and I, I tweeted this out, and if if you guys haven't seen it, take a look at my my page. Um, Vera had a similar foul the mm -hmm. week before against DC United, where he comes across, comes behind the def uh, the the person running with the ball kind of puts his arm around him and then let's go. Yeah. So contact was made enough for a foul. No, these are things that defenders do in order to cause a, something else to happen, not a foul, but cause the player with the ball to lose it, to, to get messed up. Yeah. But if we we're to look at both of the fouls, one from the Bodhi and the one from Vera, the one from Vera is obviously way more more contact than it, that one should have been a penalty. I would even say there's it's the same amount of contact, to be honest, because if you run it in real time, it he, literally he, is. It, he had his arm around him. It literally was a duke, and he pulled it out. It, he did not but even grab that him. moment. That movement to put your arm across the, the chest yeah. of the player can be, I uh, understand, as... Uh, an intention of cutting the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can can generate that uh, that fall from the from the from the attacker, and yeah. this situation doesn't allow to think that. So yeah. even so, where similar play uh, plays, they are different kind of contact. Yeah. So, but I saw your tweet. I saw your tweet. I know <laughs> you did. I know you did. <laughs> I don't know so, how many people did. So unfortunately. <laughs> Um, comes back, no penalty, and RSL just moves on. And well, not only do they move on, but it's not like it's not like they move on and say whatever. The, yeah. Literally minutes after that is when Minnesota scores their first goal. Yeah. Well, so so go, go, that, going back to that goal that I. <laughs> yeah, and that killed us. So, it, and, and if we're looking at first half stats. Mm -hmm. um, First off, the uh, expected goals, the X, XG, mm -hmm. um, Minnesota was at a two, which they obviously they had two goals. We are at a 0.25. We have fi five total shots on goal, um, but we had 70% of the possession. Yeah. The whole entire game, we were destroying them on possession, but it's over and over, game after game, we just can't find chances. Can't now, finish them. Possession doesn't always lead to goals but it yeah. leads sometimes to being uh, exposed which was what happened on our second goal mm -hmm. um Faku, what what did you see on the on minnesota's second goal well first of all we need to to see and talk about oviedo's position on that goal because as you said uh, a minute ago you uh, they got exposed by trying to control the ball and they lose the midfield so when Minnesota recovered, Oviedo left the left side in order to uh, to follow Holligan. Yes, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it in English because Neither it's a we. really difficult name. <laughs> it's a really difficult name, but well, he's a really good player. Yeah. Uh, uh, so when he they did that movement, left all the right side from Minnesota alone. That was rode by uh, Bebelo Reynoso, who did the diagonal, diagonal with Holligan, who crossed from right to center. They did this movement. Mm-hmm. Oviedo didn't return to his position, and that's why Bebelo uh, got alone. Because if you look at it, when Oviedo went into the middle to, to cover, which I think it was an exaggeration on his part. We had, the, I, I think it was uh, Ojeda was still in there or, or Ruiz was still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an exaggeration. Was, was a little bit more. That, to that's the what it was. It was to one of those. Um, uh, Oviedo went out too far, left that gap, and Marcelo Silva knew he had a large area to cover, but there was also someone else. Um, I think it was Garcia or Jung was running into the area as well. And so he had to go cover more towards the middle, which left uh, Reynoso open on the backside. No one went back to cover. If if someone were to cover, it would have been, I think you, you see in the last frame, uh, Ruiz, Ruiz coming in yes. late. And, and we talked about this kind of last episode when we were previewing this matches, because this was Reynoso's third match back with Minnesota. To keep an eye on the first one as, as a starter. Yeah, first one as a starter because we've seen what he's done when RSL and Minnesota played against each other. He's always been scoring. Do you think if Oviedo wasn't starting on that left back, if it was let's say Vera or even Brody, that it, it would have been a little bit different? That he would have been able to, we would have been able to stop that. I don't think that because what Oviedo did is a natural movement in, in my case, for example, as a defender, considering that I saw the mid of the pitch alone. I need to cut and recover the ball as a shorter time as I can because Minnesota has really good attackers. So if I let them play, if, if I, if I uh, allow them to play, uh, stop the ball and watch what they can do they are really dangerous truly dangerous yeah so that's what happened in the first half two shots two shots two goals yeah yeah it it was really unfortunate because uh with all that possession you it almost felt like a barcelona playing against uh rajo vallecano it was like it was like that much possession we're talking but it led to nothing because the possession never led to anything really. And we've seen it happen several times already this season at home going down early two goals. And I, for one, I thought it was just going to be deja vu of when we played St. Louis losing for nothing of us just losing that confidence, but going into the locker room down to nothing, it just seemed like there was just a switch, something, something switched for RSL's mentality knowing, hey, we need to at least get a point at home. And about two minutes into the second half, we see a shot that from Pablo Ruiz about, about 20 yards out that makes into the back of the net. But once again, we... we... But wait, 
we got to yeah. talk about some changes before that shot. There were two substitutions that were made by Real Salt Lake. You're, that... you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. We we saw. I'm going back to it. We had Sa- Savarino going in for Chang, and mm-hmm. Musovski for Gomez. 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 That's right. Now, what what did um, Chang and Gomez not bring that Sava? And Musovski bring. What were the differences? I I would say for one is probably the intensity. Faku, did you I notice will... any difference? Yes, and I noticed that uh, with Saba, they have uh, Pablo Ruiz in this case. That's a player that I really uh, really admire. It's mm-hmm. from the Argentinians in the league right now. We have uh, Lucho Acosta, Thiago Almada, Julian Carranza, who are in our good present in a good moment. Uh, Pablo Ruiz is a little bit uh, underrated, I will say. And Chile can have a, a good player there for this new new team because he can represent La Roja. So uh, Saba and Ruiz got uh, some connections and Russell Lake in general won with uh, Diego Luna in attack. Uh, a game changer player. Yeah, and, and uh, I think that's that's where RSL starts improving was just with those two substitutions. To be honest, I think because of the the way that they can attack, because with with uh, bringing in Musovski and taking out Gomez, that means they could bring back Luna and put Musovski yes. up top. Yeah, because Luna was playing supposedly um, one of the. The, the forward one of the, one of the striker positions because yes, because you and I were talking about that during the game how we were both confused as to why Luna's playing a striker when he should be playing the left wing because in the first half that was kind of being the huge difference maker yeah Luna's strength is on the wing it is yeah. not as a striker yeah exactly I understood what they tried to do with Luna playing as a striker but you uh, they should with another striker more like Chicho Arango that yeah. will be will be player with with you in a couple of days uh, because if you have a nine a more nine a striker a natural striker and allow Luna to move uh, to go in and recovery to fall in the band and having the ball more freedom that position can be really really useful for you because you have Saba and Gomez on the wings and Luna playing as a natural 10 behind uh, Chicharango or even Musovski that show that can do it. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. Like once we do have Chicho and then our full healthy squad, even with Nelson Palacio, that will change our, our whole attack because who knows if Pablo is going to still go with that 4-2-3-1 that he's accustomed to doing or, or that 4-4-2 that he's been playing right now. I will say this though. Um, I think Sava and Luna are interchangeable. Exactly. They are both they're both tens. You can exactly. put them in the middle or on the left wing, and they will they will do good for you. Yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. Okay. So let's go back to that. Um the almost Pablo Ruiz goal. <laughs> almost, almost. So he he drills it in about 20 yards out, top of the box. But of course, just like the first half for the penalty kick, they have to go to VAR. 
Um, but this time it's for offside and as well as obstruction. Um, but Facundo, your, your thoughts on, on that VAR? In difference to the one on the penalty kick, I have my doubts in that one because I understand that as a keeper and with the speed of that ball because Pablo Ruiz smashed the ball. It was an, an amazing, a beautiful goal, a beautiful yeah. shot. Uh, it's a shame that it doesn't count because it was his uh, 100 match with, uh, mm -hmm. in MLS. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it, it would have been beautiful. Yeah. That, uh, but I get the call. I should have not called it. Okay. That's... I, I mean, I, I, can, I can see why it was called as well. I, I hate to see it called. Because yeah. shoot, uh, the the ball. I mean, I'm thinking as a fan, the ball was going away from from Julio, so he wasn't he wasn't even in the direct line of the shot, but he was in the direct line of vision for yeah. the goalkeeper. And Julio was between two uh, Minnesota players, so that so that is another factor that could be a key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I you, it sucks. You, hate, you hate to see it when it's against your own team, but he was in the line of sight of the keeper, which kind of affected the way. So no goal for us, but. But, but let's talk about that Musovski goal. Okay. Yeah. So, so we have, we have, we have RSL gaining momentum. So in about the, the 60th minute is mm -hmm. when RSL does not, does not relinquish the, or anything. They like, they keep the ball for a good 10 minutes by themselves. Yeah. Um, and and with that, because Musovski comes in, he's already understanding the game. He understands the runs that are needed. Pablo Ruiz, what a pass. He doesn't get enough credit for, for how well he is with the ball. The man has a he, – he's good. <laughs> He has improved. At the beginning of the season, he was shaky. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. But once RSL started finding form, Pablo Ruiz has been the core, has been in very important. But that pass to put it over the top and literally almost at the foot of Musovski while he was running. Mamita querida. But prior to Musovski scoring that goal, if you want to just rewind, Musovski had kind of something similar, but obviously not the same pass, but had a shot kind of went with the keeper, but drilled it right over the, the goal. So I think he, he that kind of miss kind of, he was like, I need to regain myself. I need to do that one, one more time. He was gauging. He was gauging, he was gauging. Where, the, where the, where the, he was trying to find where the goal was. But, um, Besides the, the, the Ruiz pass and Musovski's run and, and score, during that whole half, we had a lot of good possession, a lot of good – in fact, let me give you – throw this stat at you. In the second half, RSL had a total of 22 shots. I feel like that, that's been the, the, the normal these past few uh, We matches. had five in the first half. So what changed? It, it's those substitutions that, like you mentioned, bringing in a Musovski and bringing in a Sava. Baku. And as you say a couple of day, a couple of minutes ago, 
the intensity that those two substitutions bring to the yeah. team. In the first goal, before the race pass, the the pressure that they do uh, against I don't know I don't know which Minnesota player was, but they were three Brazil Lake players trying to recover the ball. They recovered fast, gave the ball to Reese. Reese did that magical pass, and that pressure not directly but leads to uh, the to the team having a lot of shots. And you are, it's not the first match that you did that because you are the team in the entire MLS with more shots. Right. I saw that statistic a, a couple, yeah. uh, two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> 240. Yeah. Yeah, what was it, like, 245? Yeah, something yes. like that, yeah. 20 more, four than the second team. That's crazy. The stats is by PFF in case you want to you wanna <laughs> yeah. look at that. But... Yeah, and, and going off of that point that Facundo made, after post-game um, talking to Pablo Mastroni, uh, I asked him, what was it being down 2 nothing at halftime? What was it that gave you guys the intensity and helped you guys get back? He's like, we we realized we were playing very flat. We were We didn't come out with the right formation, right players, and that's what changed in the end. Yes, is what we are saying. What you we are saying right now. So yeah, we, yeah, we can be part of the technical stuff. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we basically are. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so be, because of all, all this that, that's happening, because of the pressure that's being applied, now we're down to only two one. Um, again with um, I, and we and we've correct. said this before: two nothing, most dangerous lead in soccer. Uh, yes. So, and if I'm not mistaken, um, so we have a wonderful pass. I'm, who made the wonderful pass from that for our last goal? It was a, uh, was it Bodie? That no, not Bodie. Um, Ojeda. Are you talking? About the, are you talking about, oh, that, that was Ojeda to Luna. Ojeda to Luna. Ojeda just drills across. All the mm-hmm. way to the other side of, of the box. Um, mind you, for, mind almost you, from midfield. Mind you, it's nine minutes of stoppage time. We're in the seventh minute yeah. of stoppage time. Um, we're, we're just going to talk about this play because, first off, Luna had a great game. In fact, he, I think yeah. he was man of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, 87% of pass security. 87. You, yeah, you need that. <laughs> that that's great accuracy. That's, that's a good stat to have. Um, Ojeda launches a ball that some at, at Luna's age would not be able to control it very well. The fact that he was able to touch it once and put it into the middle, um, it wasn't the prettiest, but he was able to control it enough to where it got in the area, in the middle. And then um, the fact that a center back, a freaking center back can do a volley just like a striker, that is unimaginable. Something that you couldn't couldn't picture. But we must uh, we must uh, talk about uh, he. I don't know. It was in the night eighty four minute, if I'm not wrong. He had a header who almost was the equalizer too. So oh, you're right. Yeah, Brody is. Yeah, he's 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 good. Glad is a, is a yeah. good center back, and and he's been really good 
on set pieces. He really yeah. has. Um, but so that, uh, that, that's why with him doing that that volley like that, it caught people off guard because when he did that, I was like, "That's not glad. That's not glad." Because we're used to just him rising up and heading that ball in. I wonder how many times he does that. He actually scores because of the, of the volley. Yeah, <laughs> one in fifty. Yeah, it was like one in fifty. That was he needed to hit that perfectly, and and this was a perfect time to do it because his grandparents, his parent, and his whole family came out from Florida for this match, um, for his two hundredth appearance. That's true. That's true. The I want to home run in wrestling leg history to reach yeah. to reach the two hundred uh, milestone. And also, this in was the latest uh, RSL goal in club history. I saw that 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 statistic too. It's That's really crazy. Impressive. I yes. I want to talk about one more play. Um, uh, so if you haven't watched the game, it ended at two two. But we're gonna go back to <laughs> one play. There was one play that uh, instant replay. If you guys watch on Apple TV, instant replay said that there was one dog so red card that Real Salt Lake should have had. Mm-hmm. And that was in uh, around the eighty sixth minute ish. Um, where um, Ojeda was running behind a defender. He goes in and slides. He tries to get the ball from behind, but if you if you slow down the camera and there's a camera angle from behind, he actually grabs the legs. He kicks the legs of, of the player running towards goal and, uh, and doesn't get the ball. Um, the VAR didn't catch it, and the referee didn't catch it. Yeah. Instant replay says that um, their opinion, obviously, says that Ojeda should have had a red card right there. Do you guys I, have any I, I don't remember that play. Let me check because I don't remember that. <laughs> I, 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 I rewatched an instant replay earlier today, and I, I, I'm just like Facundo. I don't remember that in the moment, but rewatching instant replay... I, I I think that they should have gone to the monitor for VAR just to get a, a look because there's there, there's things in the match that Tori Penso, she's not perfect. She she probably missed that just to get a better angle, better view of that. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Just uh, watch it, and then maybe we can uh, discuss it later. But <laughs> um, overall thoughts uh, of the match, uh, Faku, what are your overall thoughts of uh, the match and Real Salt Lake and their future? Well, first of all, a good future is coming because uh, next week you face Toronto, who has mm-hmm. just fired Bob Bradley. That's good for Toronto too, because <laughs> Bob Bradley was a, was a mess. But well, uh, and you are going to Canada. That's good because you have just won three consecutive matches away and are the best team uh, mm-hmm. in condition of visitor. So that's good. And my thoughts on this particular game, uh, if I must speak, I will just talk about the second half because <laughs> with Saba is the real team. If you don't have Saba, that's not Ratsal Lake. Yeah. Uh, I'm really confident that with uh, Palacio and Chicharango, you will have one of the best uh, attacks in the, on the league. And mm-hmm. The, the only problem that you have is that uh, you don't have really good rotation for those players. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Rotation there is soft speed, there is uh, Kralach, but yeah, there's R R Rubin, but he's on Gold Cup duty, so. So yes, I mean in the near future, because. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Marcos, oh. your overall thoughts of, of the game? Yeah, um, same as Faku, first half. We're not a very good first half team. We've seen that over and over. Teams scoring early, one, two goals on us, and then we just go get deflated. But very impressed second half with us, with the subs that we brought in. Um, completely different dynamic, completely different team. Wish we played our second half like we did the whole entire game, but glad we got one point instead of zero points. Uh, I see what you did there. Glad. We got one point. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, that was clever. That was that was clever. That was clever. That was clever. I, we're gonna we're gonna clip that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree. Second half. It, I mean, obviously, this was a game of two halves, and the second half was obviously better. We hope that we have we see more of second half Real Salt Lake, and not first half. Um, but that also depends on the lineup that shows up. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And of course, uh, the problem with the first half is that you play against Minnesota that is not in a good present. If you show those weakness and that uh, defensive disorder against another team, I don't know if I will say Atlanta because if there is not Thiago Almada and, and Thiago Magis, yeah. they are not real dangerous. But, uh, well, and Wiley. Wiley's, I, I admire him. Uh, but against an LAFC or, well, you beat uh, San, uh, San, San Louis, mm -hmm. uh, the last match with Pac, yeah. they have a really good attack. If you show those witness against another opponent, the first half, instead of a 2-0, could have been a 4 or even 5. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone exactly. who actually knew how to control the game, yeah, we would have been yes. in much deeper trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure that once we get the our players that we'll be getting, that they'll turn this into a fortress, and that'll be tough for teams to, to win there. So, let's just hope. Let's just hope. So, um, Facundo, we normally finish on a, a prediction time, but we're not even. We're gonna save you from all the dancing and singing of. We don't want to embarrass you. No, we're not gonna embarrass you today. <laughs> don't do that to me. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of your dancing. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, I, I see it every weekend. You do. <laughs> like like Vivo. I We'll uh, we'll no. have to invite you another time when we talk about the next game. But for now but we'll I... we'll let you keep practicing at home. But Facundo, <laughs> thank you so much for uh hopping on and, and joining us this evening. No. Thanks give you, a, you. Give us your you for inviting me. Give us your uh, your social media. Well, at the moment I just I'm using Twitter. Facu Bajo. Well, I don't know how, how to say it. <laughs> underscore. Facu, underscore. Underscore. Well, uh, Facu underscore OF because of my initials. But uh, I think that in the near future, I will use TikTok and maybe Instagram. Perfect. And just to give, if, if no one else caught it, what are you studying to be? And so we can uh, look for you in the future. Well, I'm studying for being a coach, a head coach. I am with a professional license with of Comebol, Anafa, Anafta, who are the very the, nice. Yes, the one who allowed me to will allow me to be head coach from Russell Lake 
in some moments. <laughs> well, of- if, if not Real Salt Lake, we'll def- we're de- definitely going to start the Facundo Neta. Yes. <laughs> we, that would be, that would be will nice. Keep, we will keep an eye out you for any any head coaching if you ever do become one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and Marcos, give our social media real quick. Yeah, if you guys are not following already on Instagram and Twitter, it is at the RSL Bros. Um, and if you're already watching this episode, hit the subscribe button as well. Perfect. Well, guys, it was nice talking to you guys. Peace out. Until next time. Ciao, ciao. Until next time.